Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Northridge. Glad that you guys are here. Um, for those of you here for the very first time, you're a first-time guest. We're excited that you're here. Thanks for taking an hour of your life and your day and this week to spend it here with us. We're excited about that. We want you to know, um, and this is very important to you, but it's also extremely important to us and is, and is how we kind of operate. And that is that this is a safe place for you no matter where you are in your journey with God. Maybe you've been walking with God for a long time. This is normal to you. This is what you do. You've been doing this for maybe years, decades. That's awesome. Maybe you're here and this is kind of new to you. You're jumping back into faith and, and what this looks like on a relevant basis, uh, for kind of for the first time. And this is very new to you, this whole idea. That's cool. And maybe you're here and you'd say, to be honest, I don't even know what I think about God. I'm not even sure I know what I believe about him and about the Bible and what it says. And all. I'm not even sure where I'm at on that. That's cool. This is still a safe place for you. And we want you to be here because we want you to have those questions answered. And hopefully we do a good job of trying to help answer those questions because we're all learning and growing together. Uh, none of us have arrived. Um, and so we're glad that you're here. So um, we're currently in our series called Tandem. That's why we have a tandem bike up here. Uh, we've had it up here for the last several weeks. We started this on Easter. And very simply put, this series is all about talking about how God made you and I to be. How he created you and I, how he created all human beings. And the tandem bike is our illustration for this entire series because it informs us, it shows us why we're made the way that we're made and how we were made and what we're called to do in this life. For example, if you look at the tandem bike, you can see that there's two seats. There's two seats because God, when he created you, did not create you to do life by yourself. He did not create you to figure out your own life and to choose everything you do and you do what you want to do only. He didn't create you that way. He created you to do life in tandem with him. And that's why there's two seats. But the seat matters because God did not design you to take the front seat. How many of you like the front seat though? Mm -hmm. Me too, <laughs> if I were being honest. And if I'm in the back seat, I tend to be sometimes a backseat driver. I try not to. My wife can tell you. Sometimes I fail at trying not to, right? It's just the way it is. And we like control. But the truth is with the tandem bike, God designed you to be with him and join him in what he is doing in this world, which is amazing. And he wants you to be a part of it. That's why there's two sets of pedals, two seats, two sets of handlebars. But there's only one set of handlebars that guides and directs the bike. That's by design. That's how he designed you in your life. He wants you to be a part of it but he needs to make sure that you're following directly after him and where he's going. And so today we're going to get into the next question, which is how do you find the right gear in your life? How you've been created, who you're created to be. How do you find the right gear? Well, to start this morning, I want to talk a little bit about a big bike race that's going to be coming up in a couple of months. You and I know it as the Tour de France you probably have heard of this, right? It's kind of the biggest bike race in the world, really. Probably the most famous one. And, and really simply, this, this bike race goes all over the nation or the country of France. And they change the route every single year. And to give you an example, I, I brought up the map for 2008. Okay, so you can see that they started all the way in the northwest corner of the nation. And they went all the way down through the country to the southern part. And there's a bunch of mountains down there. And then it goes over to the right. And you can see that really, that part where it looks like it snakes and turns and twists everywhere. That's because they're going through some of the most intense mountains on our planet. They forced them to do that on purpose. And they have to ride through and over those mountains. And then they always end up at the same place every single year, no matter, the route changes every single year. I don't know if you knew that, but the route changes every single year. It's always different. But they always end in Paris on the same street called the Champs-Élysées. And it's this famous avenue. It's beautiful. There you go. This is where they finish the Tour de France every single year. It always finishes there. So that's kind of one of the things that's always the same. But the reason I bring this up is because over the last six years, the same guy has won it four times. The Tour de France, same guy. Out of six years, he's won it four times, which is very, very, very hard to do. It's unbelievably difficult to win it at all. But to win it four times within six years, and he's going to be racing again this year in a couple months in July, 
His name is Chris Froome. And he's, a, he's, he's actually from uh, Great Britain. He's a British guy, all right? And, and this, this, is a, this is a picture of him going, right? Uh, and and he's, just, he's just pretty phenomenal. He's a pretty phenomenal bike rider. Those of you guys that are bicyclists, you, we have several experts in here. You guys know this, who this guy is, right? Because he's won the Tour de France so many times. Now, the reason I bring it up is because Chris Froome has won the Tour de France four times in the last six years for a very specific reason. The biggest reason is because he has learned, he has become a master at using the proper gears at the proper time to maximize his effort. He has a great bike. He has great gears and all that kind of stuff. He has the derailleur and all the technical stuff, but he knows how to use it to his advantage. He's one of the best gear riders in the world. And it's one of the reasons why he wins. He knows what gear to use and when to use it and how to use it. So I'm going to leave it at that for a moment because I'll come back to it. So I want to answer some questions here this morning. The questions are, what are the right gears in your life? In fact, another question is, do you have a right gear? Some of you would say, I don't think so. (laughs) I don't know if I have a right gear. Let me just tell you that you do. And the question is, what is the right gear? What, what are, and maybe there's several gears. Maybe there's some things. And when I say gear, what, do I ta- what am I talking about? What in the world do I mean? What I mean is there's something or several things within you that God planted in you from the beginning before you were born that you are good at. There are some things that you're just good at that you love to do and you're also just great at. You're better at, most, at this than most people on the planet, all right? And, and, and so maybe you're not the best, but you're, you're really good at it. And those are your gears. And so today I want to talk about and answer these questions. What are your gears? And when you find out what your gear is or your gears, what are you supposed to do with it? How are you supposed to use it? These are important questions. I don't know if you've ever considered these questions, but they're important questions. And we're going to answer them today. So in order to answer this, I want to give you a couple of things, because as you see, the stools are up here behind me. So you're going to hear from more than just me today again which is a really good thing. And they're going to share how they found their gears, but we'll get to that in a minute. I want to share a couple of things, two things, two points that kind of answer those questions that I just asked. The first point is this. You must believe that there's a right gear in your life. You have to believe that. And and the reason that, that seems like maybe a point that just doesn't even need to be made, but let me just tell you that I talk with people constantly. I know, surprising, right? And when I talk to people, I tend to talk a lot. Not surprising either, right? But when I talk to people, what I find is a lot of people, they would not necessarily say this out loud to most people or make this public knowledge, but when it comes down to it, they don't know what their purpose is and they're not sure if they have one. Right? I'm guessing some of you are like, yeah, that's true. That's true about me. We don't necessarily know if we have a gear. But let me just tell you, that you do. God gave you a gear or several gears that are just right, perfect for you. And they're different than mine. And they're different than the person sitting next to you by design. Let me read what scripture tells you about this, the truth. Romans 12, starting with verse six. In his grace, now when I, by the way, uh, let me just, a little side note, whenever you see the word grace, this is just a little side, this rabbit trail, right? When you see the word grace, what you need to think of is, this is something, whatever is being said about God's grace, this is something that God has given to you freely. You have not earned it. You cannot earn it. You cannot work hard for it. It does not matter because it's a free gift. It's literally something that he gives to you because he loves you. That's it. Like you cannot earn these things, okay? When it says grace, that's what grace means. Now, we we interchange grace and mercy. Mercy is when God or somebody doesn't punish you for something that you should be punished for. That's mercy. That's different than grace. Grace is something good that has been given to you because God loves you, okay? So just those first three words are important. In his grace, he's freely given. God has given us different gifts, for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. 
If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. And then he tells you why you've been given your gear. Listen to this last verse. Don't just pretend to love others. I'm going to read that again. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. This answers two questions. Very simple ones. Do you have gears? Yes. (laughs) God has given you gears. Absolutely without question. You have a gear that is just right for you. And the second question is, well, what do we do with it? Why is it given to us? The reason is so that we can love God and love others. It is really that simple. And really love them, not just pretend to love them. Right? And that is really putting us through the paces. Now, here's the deal. These two things are really important, but the question becomes, when we find our right gear... Right? When we find our right gear, how, how do we use this? Well, let me go back to the Tour de France and Chris Froome. Right? Chris Froome won four of the last six Tour de France's. He's going to try to do that again for the fifth time in a couple of months when the Tour de France starts. I think July 6th is the start date. All right? So go back to Chris Froome. I have a picture of his bike from 2019. This is his bike that he's going to be racing. So when you pull up the Tour de France, as I'm sure all of you do, you've got it marked on your calendar, you're ready to go. Okay, just a handful of you are going to do that. The rest of you are like, I don't know. I didn't even know when it was, right? But when you watch the Tour de France, okay, you're going to see him on this bike at some point because this is his 2019 race bike, okay? They've put it in magazines. It's all over because, you know, he's the big dog in the world right now. Okay, but why I show you this bike is I want to zoom in and there's another picture that they have and this shows you the gears, It's very, very interesting. Notice the shape of the chain wheel, which is an oval shape. Notice how many gears are on the back. If you look at that, I mean, that thing would kill somebody, right? I mean, there's teeth all over that sucker, all right? I mean, his bike is unbelievably massive. I was talking to somebody who's an expert biker here uh, this morning, and uh, and he was like, yeah, that bike probably is $15,000 to $18,000. It's a little out of my range, just so you guys know. Mine is kind of like there's somebody discarded one on the side of the road. I'm like, yep. (laughs) It's got a seat and it's got two wheels. I can use that. (laughs) Seriously, if you see my bike, you'll be like, yeah, you were telling the truth. That thing is terrible. But these gears, the point is these gears is what helps Chris Froome. Now, is he phenomenal? Is he amazing? Is his stamina and his conditioning and has he trained like crazy? Has he worked harder at biking than he has at probably anything else in his life? Yes, that's true. He's amazing at it. But without the gears, wouldn't this be true? Without those gears, there's no chance that he could win the race. No chance. It's not not a possibility. If, if he had a single gear and everybody else had their gears, they're passing him like nobody's business. I mean, he doesn't even have a chance. And, and so what we need to understand is the fact that God gave you the gears that he gave you is so that you can run the race and you can run it well. Not just so that we can survive. Because I don't know about you, but I tend to get locked into this regular daily mode where I just kind of, I'm going through life. I'm just doing the motions. I'm just kind of going through the motions. I'm just doing what I'm supposed to do. And I forget, like my wife actually so eloquently reminded me already this morning. (laughs) She reminded us that that we sometimes forget about hope. She reminded me that I sometimes forget about Mother's Day too. Thank you, dear. But she reminds us that we sometimes forget about hope. We forget that God has given us gears and that the reason we have those gears is to serve God and serve others well. Not just to pretend to love them, but really love them. And I find that we tend to just go through life and just try to keep our head above water. Anybody feel that way? I do, a lot. And I forget my purpose sometimes. So the second key 
to this thing is not only that we have gears and that, that there's a reason for it, but the second thing is that if you have the gears and when you find out what the gears are, you need to do something with them. You need to use them, right? If they just sit in the garage, if you never oil them, if you never do anything with them, if you don't train with the gears that God has given to you, then they, you will lose them. They will become rusty and they're going to be gone. And so we need to use them. Let me share with you what the Apostle Paul says about this whole dynamic. This is a long passage. Just kind of listen to try, try and figure out what he's trying to say. He's talking about his gear and what we need to become as followers of Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, starting with verse 19. Even though I am a free man with no master, I have become a slave to all people to bring many to Christ. When I was with the Jews, I lived like a Jew to bring the Jews to Christ. When I was with those who followed the Jewish law, I too lived under that law. Even though I am not subject to the law, I did this so I could bring to Christ those who are under the law. When I am with the Gentiles who do not follow the Jewish law, I too live apart from that law so I can bring them to Christ. But I do not ignore the law of God. I obey the law of Christ. When I am with those who are weak, I share their weakness. For I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. Did you catch that? I try to find common ground with everyone. With everyone. Doing everything I can to save some. I do everything to spread the good news and share in its blessings. Don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs? But only one person gets the prize. So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away. But we do it. He's talking about followers of Jesus. We run the race to do it for an eternal prize. So Paul says, I run with purpose in every step. I am not just shadow boxing. Shadow boxing is like, he's saying, I'm not just going through the motions here. I'm really striving to do what God wants me to do. I'm trying to use my gears. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, in other words, using his gears to reach others, I myself might be disqualified. See, what the Apostle Paul is saying is how we do life, how we run the race matters. Deep down, if I were to say, does it matter how you live your life? Almost all of us would immediately answer, well, yes. But I find that sometimes we forget that how we live life matters that much, but it does. How we run this race matters. And what Paul is saying here is he's saying, what I want to do is I want to train, I want to work hard, and I want to make sure that I'm using the gears that God has given to me to the best of my ability to serve God and serve others. Because what he says here is he says kind of like what a pastor would say, to be honest. He says, I fear, what I fear is if I don't do that, then I'm going to preach a good game, but I'm not going to live a good game. Did you notice what he said at the end there? He says, what I fear is that I'm going to preach a good game, but then at the end, I'm going to be disqualified because I didn't live what I preached. But you understand this is not just for pastors. This is for every follower of Christ. If we believe that God is the hope of the world, then how are we using our gears to reach them and to show God's love to a world that desperately needs it? So the key is, we need to first believe that we have the gears. Some of you, hopefully you've realized that you have gears. Maybe you don't know what they are yet. That's cool. But you need to realize that you do have gears. God gave them to you. And the second thing that we need to know is we need to use them. God has given you gears for a reason. And we'll kind of wrap up when we talk about this at the very end. God has given these gears to you for a reason. But before I go any further, I want to stop and I want to take a break and you need to hear from somebody else. I'm going to bring up three different people, and you're going to hear from them and their story on how they found the gear. In fact, they wouldn't even necessarily say that they knew it was a gear yet. <laughs> but they're going to share what their gears are and how God has brought them out. And we're going to just get really practical for a little bit here. And so I'm really excited about this. So uh, I'm going to invite uh, Ashley up. Ashley, come on up here. Give Ashley a hand for being willing to share. 
there's your microphone right there, Ashley. Yep, you can just grab that mic. Um, so the reason I brought Ashley up here is, um, and I don't want to embarrass you too much, but you know I was going to say this, so it's all good. We're all good. We're all good. If you talked to a bunch of people at Northridge, it would be very difficult for you to talk to people very long before you found somebody, if not quite a few somebodies, that are here at Northridge because Ashley specifically invited them to come. I kid you not. It's just, she does it constantly. Every, I, I mean, I meet people and they're like, how'd you get, Ashley invited me. How'd you, how'd you come to Northridge? Ashley invited me. How'd you come to Northridge? Well, I got a flyer and then Ashley invited me. Okay. Seriously, like, I, I mean, it's, it's a gear, and, and we were talking, and you said, like, I didn't even know this was a gear. Like, I, I've been figuring out what God wants me to do. And I, and I said, I, you're doing what God wants you to do. Now, now there might be other things, but God, you're doing what God wants you to do. So the reason I brought Ashley up is I wanted to just, seriously, like, this is going to be ultra practical, right? But uh, what I wanted you to do, and I know it's only like a couple minutes long, but whatever, but I just, I needed them to hear from you because I wanted to hear it. How in the world do you do this? Because to be honest, I would say the vast majority of us, we get kind of scared about inviting people to church. I mean, it's, it's just hard for us to do. Uh, and in fact, I get, I get nervous about it from time to time. You just do it. Like it's normal, natural kind of life. It's how you live. You don't even have to try to do it. So tell us, kind of unpack how you do this, and you kind of gave me a couple of good uh, ideas, actually, myself, when I was talking to you about it. Um, how do you do this? What does it look like? And how does this usually start? And then how do you follow up with that? Like, how does this, how does a conversation go, I guess, so that we can kind of be like, oh, okay, what would Ashley do? That's, you know, that's what we need to kind of know today. And just kind of help us understand, how do you, uh, we need bracelets, right? No, I'm just kidding. Um, but seriously, just unpack what does it look like when you invite somebody to church? How does that usually go? Well, this is usually my approach. I see someone or they cross my path or I see them in the grocery store or whatever. And they're like, hey, what'd you do this weekend? X, Y, Z. And I went to church on Sunday. And they're like, where do you go to church? And I'm like, Northridge. And they're like, what's that? And I'm like, it's uh, in the bottom of the village center in Wanakee. And they're like, <laughs> it's in a basement. Awesome. Yeah. What kind of church is that? I'm like, it's a Bible-based church. It's not Catholic. It's not Lutheran. It's not Pentecostal. It's not Southern Baptist. It's just Bible-based. Like, he reads from the Bible. He makes it relevant to your everyday life. And I was just like, I, I, I get really excited. And I do, okay, this is my approach, okay? I get really practical. Because this is what appeals to people. They, I tell them they have a great kids' ministry. Like, my kids get so excited. They're like, is it Sunday yet? No, it's Monday. But are we going back to church? <laughs> Well, not Bryson, Amelia. She doesn't know what day of the week it is. But she, you know, and then I, I say, like, my kids, they love the children's ministry. Like, they get so excited for church. I'm like, we have free donuts. We have free coffee. Um, you know, we don't pass a plate here because I feel like, you know, when you pass a plate at a church, like, it just makes you feel obligated to give. And you're not really, um, I guess, you're not really just, you're not feeling led to give and I believe in tithing I fully believe in tithing but some people that turns them away when they're like they feel like churches are just like money hungry and like mm -hmm. you know um and and I and the other thing is I always make sure that I mention that we have a band because they're like you have a band <laughs> you know like that really gets people excited and and usually the people that cross my path like, God has already been working on their heart because they're like, gosh, I've been really looking for a church. Like, yeah, I'll definitely check that out. Seems like, you know, something I want to do. And I, then I also mentioned that it's come as you are. You can wear blue jeans. You can wear ripped jeans. You don't have to dress up. You don't have to feel like you're, you know, going to be judged for the clothes that you wear. And I also mentioned that we don't, like, have any rituals. Like, when we do communion, like, it's really really meaningful it's not something that you do every Sunday it's not it's not like a motion that you go through like whenever I take mm -hmm. communion I just sob like bad <laughs> ugly cry Ashley's also a crier just so that you know yeah almost every Sunday <laughs> because I, I just feel the presence of God in this space like with my my church I just feel the overwhelming like presence of God and I know that if I get people here that God works through Pastor Brent like, to, 
speak to them because God knows who's going to be in those chairs, you know. Right. And if I can just get them here, he'll do the rest. And because I can't sit there and talk to people about Jesus because I'm still learning myself. I'm not a saint. That's why I'm in that front seat every Sunday because <laughs> I'm thirsty for what Pastor Brent has to say. And that's, I mean, that's my approach. That's awesome. All right. Uh, yeah. Give her a hand. That's awesome. Is that Thank it? you, Ashley. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, isn't that awesome? Like, it's just like, yeah, I, I mean, this is just what I do. Right? It's just normal, natural, but it's so hard for us sometimes. And I, I admit it to her. I, sometimes I get intimidated by certain, some people it's easy, but there are certain people that just intimidate me. And it's just not easy and natural. And that's just so simple. Like, hey, what did you do this weekend? Well, just make sure that you include that you went to church. They're going to ask about it. And they're like, really? Why did you do that? <laughs> well, it's awesome. Because I think I need to be. And I'd love to have you come with me, right? Simple. And so, Ashley, thank you for sharing. I mean, that's you. In fact, by the way, this is hilarious. Okay, this week, I was getting, I, I had talked to Ashley already at the beginning of the week. And then a day, I think the very next day, I was at a coffee shop, ran into somebody, and, and it was somebody that Ashley had talked to. And he sat down and talked to me and everything. And he said, yeah, so she was looking for a baseball bat. So I said, I have these baseball bats for your daughter, you know, for your son. And so if you want to just come get it. And she said, well, you know what? Why don't you just come to church and then we can exchange the bat there. Awesome! Like, yeah! That's a gear. That's the perfect gear. Does God want to save people and love people and know people? Yes. And sometimes it's just a matter of us inviting him into it. That's, that's like literally the only barrier. Powerful. Huge. It's just awesome. So let me turn a corner. A little bit different gear. So I want to introduce you to a different couple here. And their gear is, is uh, very similar, actually, to Ashley's, but in a totally different way. Totally different way. Uh, so Jim and Penny, if you guys would go ahead and come on up. Give them a hand. They're going to come up here and share. There's yours. And uh, yeah, this, pending yours. Is, is this back. Laura's mic? <laughs> I was, actually, actually, that's the it's first not. thing I, I was instructed to do is not spit on the mic or <laughs> lick the mic because this is her mic. Yeah, yeah, that, that's true. Actually, and actually, she said, "Don't lick it." <laughs> I was like, "Who grabs a mic and licks the thing? That's just weird." I mean, I don't know. Maybe you will, but that, and that's all good. Uh, but uh, Jim and Penny, thank you for being willing to, to share a little bit just for a couple of minutes here. Um, so you guys have found uh, your gear. So why don't you share what your gear is? Because we need to kind of talk about that. And then let's jump back and, and kind of get in the behind the scenes story. But first, just kind of tell us where you're at, where are you guys located, and what do you do? Because it tells us what your gear is. So just kind of give us the quick, you know, synopsis of, yeah, what you guys do. Okay, well, we're from Lodi, Wisconsin. That's just a few miles up the road from Wanakee. <laughs> um, and um, we have been part of a very important community project. Um, it's a project that uh, the community has had was recognized for many years, up to 40 years or something like that, and nothing ever got done. So we kind of took it on our shoulders a little bit with other members of the community. Uh, we believe in partnerships. We believe in uh, establishing partnerships, being totally committed to the community. And so we established what is called Reach Out Lodi with many other people. Okay? Um, and Reach Out Lodi basically has two parts to it. The first part is we have a community center, and the second part is we have a community store. Okay, and they both kind of work together. Um, the community center is, has, was established. Um, incidentally, the, the building that we're in was formerly a medical clinic. And um, uh, the Sauk Prairie Memorial Hospital people board uh, decided that they wanted a new clinic 
So they abandoned the old one, and we got the old one. It sat vacant for about four years while we were kind of working things out to become a 501c3 and all that stuff that you have to do uh, to become a, a nonprofit organization. But we did it. The churches were very instrumental in helping. And I don't mean just one church or two churches. I mean all the churches in Lodi um, through the ministerial association. So it kind of, you know, the ball got rolling there, but uh, a lot of pushing and shoving on our part to keep the thing going. Okay, so the community center is, is basically an, a, 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 a place to go and just have a great time. It's available for, um, 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 boy, I'm, I'm a little lost right now. Uh, it's available <laughs> for many d different types of activities. It's available Sorry. for everybody, exactly. <laughs> There's educational opportunities, recreational opportunities, and so on. And then the community store is uh, a place where we have food, personal essentials, mm. clothing, and school supplies for needy families, mm. all at no cost. Mm. And um, so we, we, our, our passion has been to, that was actually our first passion. The, the community center actually was a kind of a byproduct of it all mm. because the building could accommodate those two uh, phases. Mm. So, I, I, and I tap Jim on the shoulder because uh, the reason he's, struggling to share is because, I, I kid you not, they could sit here for the rest of the day and tell you what they do. And, it would, and we may not even get through it all. I mean, these guys are 24-7 every single day. The only day that they're not there and doing something to serve somebody in need from the oldest to the youngest, from the greatest need to the least need, whatever, is because... Now, I mean, they're, they're here on a Sunday morning. Otherwise, they're there. That's where you're going to find them. I mean, and, and Laura and I personally have been there for a couple of different reasons and things, number one to tour, but then also with a couple of things that they do for people. It's unbelievable. So you guys serve people like crazy. I mean, your heart just is huge. And, uh, and, they, and, and I want you to know, that they're slightly uncomfortable with telling you their story because they know it's not about them, right? That's right. And, 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 that, and so that, that was the struggle for them to be willing to share because they want you to know that they are simply doing what God created them to do, made them to do. It's their gear. So my, my next question kind of is, the, is to follow up in the lead into this. Um, so take us kind of back because my guess is you weren't born... Uh, and, you know, in each of your situations, and then you just like, hey, uh, when I, you know, become this age, we're going to start something called Reach Out Lodi, and God let, mapped it out for you, and it was on paper, and like, you just got it when you were born and done. No, you had to find your way. You had to figure out your gears. So take us back to kind of how God led you, and, and what God did in you, in your life, to help you find that this was your gear. This is what you need to do. This is who God made you to be. So kind of help us un, uh, kind of unpack that. There's, uh, in my lifetime, there's been many gears. Um, my father, um, excuse me. It's okay. My father was a humanitarian. He loved people. He taught me those lessons. Um, I got to get past my father. <laughs> but it guided me in a lot of different directions. I, I was an employee. I, I started out as a school teacher, like this guy. I, um, I ended up at Central Wisconsin Center, a program for development of disabled people. Um, I had a great time. Believe me, this is the truth. I never had a day I didn't want to go to work. I loved it. Um, then I also got involved in Special Olympics. Um, again, I, I have trouble talking about this stuff because it's not about me, it's about God. Yeah. It's about God guiding me and guiding my whole life. I truly believe, I, I talk to God a lot. Um, it's almost constant. Um, you probably don't know that. <laughs> and... Uh, Anyway, um, so Special Olympics, 
um, mission trips with kids um, to foreign countries, uh, adults to foreign country, uh, foreign country, just one, uh, to uh, different missions throughout the United States, mm -hmm. um, things like that. I mean, that those things meld you. Those things make you. They make you see how other people live and and what the human circumstances are in other places. Mm. And uh, it, it, it just develops a passion in you to try to serve humanity the best way that you possibly can. Mm -hmm. So, and there's so many other examples. I mean, I could go into a lot more, but I'm not going to because we're time limited. <laughs> and, um, but uh, it's just been a pleasure to be a part of Reach Out Lodi and the volunteers. I tell you, we have some of the most fantastic volunteers. Mm -hmm. We train our volunteers to be caring, compassionate, non-judgmental, confidential people. Mm -hmm. um, and if I sense that there's someone struggles with that, we talk about it mm -hmm. and we get it corrected. Mm -hmm. um, so anyway, that's kind of, mm -hmm. uh, I, I, I feel that I have a lot of gears and every one of the gears that I've had and had the opportunity to be, to be a part of um, has been guided by God. Mm -hmm. Okay, <laughs> I'm Penny, and do not be afraid that I have notes. <laughs> the reason I have notes is because when we met with Brent, he said, oh no, you don't have to talk too long, do not worry, not more than 10 minutes. Well, I'm thinking 10 minutes, give me three hours. I mean, I have a passion here. Um, 10 minutes is not enough. So this is only to pull me in, to reel me in so I don't say too much. Okay, he wanted me to talk about my background. Um, I was a stay-at-home mom, but because of that, I was able to do a lot of volunteer work. I started out with the usual things, helping at school, um, scouts, and that sort of thing. Um, but then life started getting a little more interesting, and I became a Braillist. And when I was a Braillist, what I would do is I'd come into Madison, they would have a, a new book for a student who was blind. They'd rip all the pages out, and they'd give everybody you know, 10, 20 pages, and you had to come back the next week and have that book completed for that particular student. So anyway, I was doing that for a while. The only thing bad about that job is that you weren't with people. You... Um, it, you really need to concentrate to do Braille. So you're always by yourself. But I loved it. Um, the big thing that came along after that was BSF, which is Bible Study Fellowship. If you ever have a chance to go to Bible Study Fellowship, it is fantastic. It is just wonderful. I was there for about three years, and um, um, was asked to be in leadership. And um, I think that's where God started really not letting me know yet what was coming up because I would have been afraid, but kind of getting me started. Well, anyway, I just talked so much about BSF, and I, was, I do have to share with you. Um, I mentioned to my, my um, Mei Ling, who is my granddaughter, I said, well, you know, I go to BSF. And she said, you do? I've never seen you there. And I said, you go to BSF? And she said, well, yes, I go every day. And I said, what is your BSF? And it was, mine is Bible Study Fellowship. Hers is bigger, stronger, faster. <laughs> and she runs and lefts weights. Well, it was totally different. But anyway, this is how it started. Um, after that, there was the Stephen Ministry. In a church I was previously in, I started noticing that if something happened, some people did get a lot of attention, a lot of support, and some people kind of fell through the cracks. Mm. And, um, you know, that's nobody's fault. Um, as a minister, five people could need you this week, then six people get sick, and then are you visiting 11 people? Are you visiting 20 people? So anyway, by um, this um, Stephen Ministry training, I went to that and um, came back, and then I trained people. And what it is is that you would go out, you would, uh, you would be assigned a person, and you would see that person for an hour every week and just listen to them. 
and um, you didn't do, you didn't suggest anything, but just they had someone to talk to and to work through their own problems. So anyway, that was Stephen Ministry. Then from there, I went to Silver Sneakers, of all things. Silver Sneakers is <laughs> exercise for people over 60. And I always thought that my talent lie, my gift, was with children. I love working with children. And all of a sudden, I was doing all this exercising with seniors, and people started saying to me, oh, you are so good with older people. And, you know, I thought... I am an older people. I mean, really. <laughs> but anyway, so then I went kind of in that direction. Well, finally, reach out Lodi. I was in the clothing, and I was sorting clothes. And if you know how that goes, it, it gets to be a job that just never ends. You know, there's more clothing, which we're glad to have, but there's more clothing coming all the time. And I realized that the other half of the building wasn't going to be used if somebody couldn't get out of the clothing and get into the community center. So I found someone else to take my job to someone else's and um, went into the community center. And there, um, people kept saying, okay, what are we going to have? What are we going to do? You know, who is it going to serve? What's it going to be? And I just kept saying, God's going to tell us. You know, um, if I knew clearly exactly what I was going to do, I would miss what God wanted me to do, if that makes sense to you. Because I would be um, so into my thing that I, I couldn't see what he wanted. So anyway, we started out with lunches. We started out with um, WOW is a program I started, which is... Um, um, wellness on Wednesday, and we talk about being well, not being sick, and um, exercise and all the things that seniors can do. Mm -hmm. So anyway, um, this year I started um, two new things, and I'm just going to talk about one because I'm thinking I'm going here. Um, game night. Um, I started game night, and I absolutely love it. It's two, two times a, a two Saturday nights a month. And what it is, it's for young, for teens and young adults who have special needs. And we usually have between 10 and 14 kids. It just, it just really differs. But um, this is somebody who's really lost in the community. Uh, they don't have you know, any of the support from school anymore. Well, the teenagers do. But anyway, it's just a special night. They come, we have dinner for them. They bring their own games, board mm -hmm. games, and they go into another room, and they teach each other different games. And it is so fun. And they are so fun. And there is not a more appreciative. The, the seniors are wonderful. But mm -hmm. the special needs kids, they just love game night and just will not miss it. So, I'm getting late here. Is my okay? Okay, I'm okay. Okay. <laughs> so, I'm, I'm cutting out a whole bunch of stuff here as I go. Okay. Um, the, the thing that uh, we talked about this week is on my, I've had on my heart for a long time since we started, in fact, which was in uh, 15, 2015. Since we started, I've had on my mind to reach out to people with dementia or people with Alzheimer's because a friend of mine, just before we opened, a very, very dear, close friend, died of Alzheimer's. And um, so I wanted some programs for people with dementia, for them and for their caregivers, because that's a tough road also. Mm -hmm. So anyway, um, every trail I went down had a dead end. It just didn't work. So um, I see... I see sometimes God's work as being like a puzzle, if you don't mind a puzzle, along with the gears. Um, anyway, it's a puzzle, and God gives you puzzle pieces, and it, this is just easier for me. And I had a couple puzzle pieces. I, I had a strong desire, and I had a willingness to go wherever he sent me, but that was it. I didn't have anything else. And so I've been looking here and there and not hitting the right spot for years. This week, this last week, before we talked to, to Brent, um, the doors just really opened. Um, let me see now. Um, okay. 
the doors really opened, and I found the person who has the Alzheimer's and Dementia Alliance um, of Columbia County. I started out with Dane County, and I had all these dates and everything, and we were starting a program, and then one day she says to me, you don't live in Dane County, do you? <laughs> and so she wasn't able to come. They wouldn't allow her to come. But anyway, she um, told me about the prison in Columbia County. So here we have more puzzle pieces. Mm -hmm. She has the training, and she said to me, I've been trying to get into Lodi for years. I have been trying and trying, and no one sponsors, no one's interested, there's no place to meet, there's no, and I want to start a program. Mm -hmm. So I've been waiting for years, she's been waiting for years, and so I had these puzzle pieces in my hand, she had hers, we put them together. Another thing that happened that I really need to share with this puzzle is the fact that um, when we had done well, one of the times, um, when a wellness on Wednesday, when we had done it one of the times, we had music therapists there. Mm. And they had told me, if there's ever a time what we can start a program for you, let us know. And I mean, and this is volunteer. And then I also have a friend who's in, um, who is retired from music. So I had this, and then this year I started painting. So what I'm leading up to is when I talked to this lady, she told me about a, well, a workshop that I can take tomorrow. And this, in this workshop, it's not just talking about the past anymore. Mm. It's involving music. And I have three wonderful music people to lay down their music pieces and help us. Mm. And then the other one that I was so excited about is called, um, When I Paint, I Remember Better. And I thought, you know, I've been, I started painting in September. I started in September, and I've heard about this now. Mm -hmm. And I thought, the, the thing that I'm trying to say is that sometimes God gives you these pieces before you even know how you're going to use them or what they're for. And you just have to hang on and know that there are other people that are going to join you. And everybody has their own piece. And we can't complete our puzzle if everyone, if you hang on to your puzzle piece and you don't lay it down, mm. we're going to have a hole in our puzzle. And so um, I can just see it happening. And, and when it starts, I never know what it's going to be. Um, it could be a five-piece puzzle, you know, a child's puzzle. It could be 50, 100 pieces. Um, this church could be thousands of pieces because each person touches another person. And, and this could be... You know, who knows? Who knows? Because God doesn't tell you the end or even the beginning sometimes. And you're, if you hang on to your pieces, then somebody is missing out. So you mm. need to use your puzzle pieces. Put them down. Amen. All right. Thank you. Can you give them a hand? Thank you, guys. I would encourage you to talk to these people. Because here's, here's what I find, and this is how I'm going to wrap up. Your gears, your puzzle pieces, as Penny was just talking about, they were not given to you to serve you. I know the things that I'm good at. You know the things that you're good at. What we are very good at is using our gears to make lots of money, to make a good name for ourselves, and to enjoy life. We leverage them for our advantage. I'm not saying that that's entirely wrong, but it is absolutely evil and wrong if you leverage those gears and those puzzle pieces only for yourself and your own gain. To your point, Jim and Penny and Ashley, they have taken what they know God has made them just naturally geared for, their heart and their passion, and they use it on a daily basis. So my question to you is very simple. What is your gear? What is it? 
What is it that you're just good at that makes you tick, that makes you just passionate? Whatever that is, run with that. Do something with it. Don't let it go. Don't let it go. Because the reason, Penny said it at the very end. I didn't know she was going to say this at the very end. She said there's thousands of pieces in here right now. There are. And what makes our church powerful is not how I preach and is not that we have a band and is all that. Those are all, we do those on purpose. The power is the fact of the people that are here and the gears that are represented in this room and a part of our church and that what we can do as we leave here. Right? And so what is your gear and how are you using it? And if you are struggling with that and you say, I have no clue, contact us. We'll get you in contact with either me or somebody and we'll have a conversation and we'll start figuring it out. Do not just let it sit. Talk to these guys. Find out from them how they did that. So I'm going to end in prayer. And as I pray, I hope that this is kind of a commissioning. This is a sending out. Because every one of you have gears. And we can do a lot of good. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for in your grace, freely giving to us the gears and the gifts that you've given to us. God, I pray simply two things. Lord, first, that you'd help us to find our gear. Every person in here, from the youngest to the oldest, help us find our gears. And then God, I think that the second part of this prayer, perhaps the most critical piece. I pray that you would cause us, move us, push us to do something about it and do something with it. There are people who desperately need us and we have the gear to reach them. So help us to run the race well. And I pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.